Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings of VA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Brian Sendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen, and the next in our series of guests here to talk about one of the most, this is going to be one of the more like difficult pods to do because they're a team with no picks, but unlike like the Sixers who have no picks. They're not contenders. They don't have like a ton of moving parts this offseason. They're just kind of sad. And there's someone else we wanted to bring on to talk about this team than someone who I've I've uh, known and followed for a while, uh, formerly of Roll Call Sports, did a lot of great stuff there, which of course was run by the impeccable CJ Marchesani. And now he does a lot of stuff for Swish Theory, which we've had a couple Swish Theory guys on um, yesterday's uh, co-host with us guest I should say was a Swish Theory guy and it's just a, it's a great site so I'll link that down below and of course we have the great Michael Neff Michael my friend how you doing I'm doing well doing well I really appreciate you having me on I'm excited yeah absolutely um Michael does like I said he does a lot of work for Swish Theory and he's just someone who I've appreciated his perspective on the draft for a while now since he's kind of started doing it and uh he's also a uh a fellow, you know, he's he's also rooted for a team that Tony Bennett has coached. So I guess I guess we can we can put it that way. As a, I'm a I'm a WSU guy, so it was he he coached there when I was like six and seven, but still, it's it's uh I, I still have a little bit of love for him. But let's talk about the Bulls because the Bulls are just at such an interesting spot. They of course won one play in game, and there was a lot of excitement. You know, can they can they push through? They were up 10 on a current team that, you know, a team that looks like they're going to be in the finals. By the time you guys listen to this pod, they might be in the finals. Um, in that second play of play in game, and they lost. They ended their season as the ninth seed. They have no picks. They have an uncertain, like, group of guys. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is uh, a free agent. They have bird rights on him, but he is a free agent. Kobe White, Ardasunmu are restricted free agents. They're kind of built around Zach Lapine and DeMar DeRozan. It feels like a, you know, unstable core to say the least. Lonzo Ball might not play basketball for this team ever. Michael, how would you describe the Bulls season last year? And, and, and what are your kind of thoughts on this team moving forward? Well, I'd say the word to describe it would be frustrating. Just as a fan, seeing the almost disconnect from reality uh, from the front office. Just the team is so clearly far away from the elite teams of the Eastern Conference, and there just doesn't seem to be a plan for how to get us there. And you know, when that's the case, usually a team looks to rebuild, but they've expressed many times that they don't want to do that either. So as a fan, uh, and I know I'm not alone on this, uh, I'm I'm really questioning what exactly the plan is here moving forward. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to determine with this team because you know they kind of got like a little taste of success not last season but the year before that um, where they I believe they were the five seed they lost to the Bucks in uh, the playoffs and then Levine got a gigantic contract and just didn't it, it just that nothing really felt like it clicked this year when I did watch the Bulls they just kind of felt out of sync. Um, you know, like, like their stars are good, but you wouldn't call either of them top 10 or maybe even not quite top 20 players. 
So you're talking about kind of a tough core to build around. Michael, what do you think of that Levine DeRozan duo? And do you think that's the type of steady base that a really high level team can be built around? Or do you think as long as those two are, you know, the two best players, this team is just going to struggle to really get over that hump? Yeah, I, I think you said it. Uh, I think as long as uh, the Bulls have Levine and DeRozan as kind of their their main core, their their dynamic duo, that it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be hovering around the play and and just mediocrity. I think you know DeRozan. You know he's had a weird career arc. I think he arguably has had his best seasons with the Bulls, but he's going to be thirty four soon, and I don't know if. I don't know if at his best he's even remotely close to being a championship quality star. And then while Zach Levine is very talented, he can be really fun to watch uh, and has put together some great stretches of basketball, you know, especially to end the season this year. I just, the too many years have gone by where he just doesn't have an impact on winning that I'm, I'm really not sold. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I think we should trade them, get what we can for them and just start from scratch. But you know, I know that's not the plan. So it, it's like I said, there just seems to be a real disconnect uh, in the Bulls organization between where they're at and where they actually are in in the NBA pecking order. And it's just it's just frustrating. No, yeah, I, I can imagine as a fan, you know, as someone who was a Jazz fan, and the Jazz reached, maybe you would say, some higher heights than the Bulls, but having that understanding of just this duo is not good enough, I can tell you that I had a lot more fun watching the Jazz this last season as they were kind of bad, and, and they made the decision to get rid of two guys who hated each other. Not that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan hate each other, but two guys who could not fit together and 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 make a team a championship team as the two best players. Seeing like the Jazz trade them and, and 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 just create a more fun team. Like I understand your your kind of pain of just watching a team not seem to click and and, and move forward. We'll talk briefly about some Levine DeRozan trades in like a little bit. Even though I I don't know how realistic it is, but it is nice to dream. But let's talk also about you know just like the the squad around them. Michael, is there anyone? You know, obviously, Booch is a free agent who I expect to be back, but could maybe be let go or, or sign and traded. There's some young, interesting players on the roster, but no one quite proven. What do you think outside of those two, like this team should look like? And what do you think it will look like? So I, I do think that there was some positive stuff to build on from the supporting cast. Uh, Kobe White took a huge step up as far as his two-way ability goes. He, you know, I, I was low on him for a long time, but Based on this season, I think he's actually kind of a keeper. Patrick Williams is interesting to me. I I mean this completely unironically. I don't know if he has that dog in him. You know, he's just one of those players that as high as his potential seems to be, I I genuinely am not sure if he just has that mentality to just become a guy who is going to be like a, a championship quality cog in the machine. You know, he really took a step up as a defender this year, which I, I liked to, yeah, I like to see that always, but he just stinks on offense still. And 
of course he's young and there's plenty of room to grow, but based on where he's starting from, I just, I just don't know if I see it with him, but of course it is the bulls. And so what'll probably happen is we'll trade him away and then he'll become an all-star somewhere else. Um, yeah. And then of course, you know, Lonzo is always a question too, where, you know, is he ever going to play basketball again? If he is, how's he going to look? Is he going to be the same? I mean, the, when he was healthy, he was really what made us good and fun for a little bit. But you know, who knows where that's going to go? And you know, Alex Caruso, same thing. It's like he's 29. Realistically, how much longer is he going to be there? Do we maybe look to trade him? So th th there are some positives. But because we're just in the middle, I, I really don't know what to do with these guys you know, do we keep them around or do we capitalize on any sort of value that they have and and just try to start over um other than that i just i think we got to shake things up and that doesn't seem to be where the front office is head is at um you know i, I think they preach continuity for this aging and heavily flawed roster which I just never understood, and I know Bulls fans share in that frustration. So I, I think that where the fans want the team to go and where I think the team should go and where the front office sees the team, those are just two very, very different things. So to tell you the truth, I don't know where the roster is going to go. Bulls don't have a lot of assets. They don't have a lot of flexibility. And it just seems like anything that they would do isn't going to be super impactful in terms of making a contender. Yeah, it feels like contention is, um, you know, I'm basically out of sight, out of mind. This is one of those teams that just feels like content to be, um, you know, in the middle. Uh, they, they, it's kind of them and the Wizards, and this was like the Hornets with Kemba Walker too, like fight for that eight seed, like that's what they want. Or I guess anymore now it's fight for the play-in. But I do think that at a certain point, the rubber is going to meet the road with these guys' age. Um, you know, like you mentioned, DeMar is turning 34, I believe. Vooch is turning 33, or he is 33 already, something like that. Like, those are guys, you know, older guys. Um, Levine is super injury prone. You were right. Like, you mentioned that, like, Lonzo, it really felt like he was what made this team sing. Like, Lonzo is... I mean, when, when he's healthy, he is maybe the best connector in the league. Just straight up. Like, his... His, you know, early deficiencies with the Lakers were that he wasn't really a point guard, but then you get him in a role where he is operating as just this, like, you know, elite passer, transition pusher, can catch and shoot, can occasionally create his own shot in certain ways, and then is just a really impeccable defender on and off the ball. Like, he was great, and then he's hurt, and this team takes a, a sudden drop, and obviously, like, Lonzo isn't the only difference between a four or a five seed and a nine seed, but I think he was maybe the major differentiator there, but it's also, it's not like you can just bet on him being back healthy next year. It's just not how it's, how it seems like it's going to go. You know, Kobe white, I thought was good, but he's a restricted free agent. Honestly, if I'm him, I don't want to be back in, in Chicago. Like they've kind of treated him pretty poorly. Like his whole time there, it feels like it and not valued what he does. And, um, I, you know, he's another guy who maybe goes to another spot and really sings. It feels like this team has a major player development issue. Uh, I think a lot of that is the role that they try and stick guys in. 
that when they drafted Lowry Markkinen, they just put him in the wrong spot. Like that, he was just not playing a role that made sense for him. And now in in Utah, he's in the perfect role, and he's borderline All NBA player. So there, it is kind of a tough spot. Let's talk about trades really fast. And Michael, we've kind of hinted that we maybe want to tear down. What like if you want to get ambitious, like what would some trade ideas or you know targets? Who would those types of guys be for you? If if I were living in a perfect world and the Bulls were trying to rebuild, the first thing that I would do is I would call up Portland and see if either Zach Levine or Demar Derozan would be enticing for the for them uh, around Dame, and then see if we can get the number three pick out of it. I mean, why not? Like, make that call. And then you're finally going in a different direction that's based on young talent, and you're getting a rebuild going. I think that would be awesome. Is that going to happen? No, probably not. But that's immediately where my mind would go. Because Portland's been very vocal about how they're still on the Dame timeline, which I don't know if I agree that that's what they should be doing. But that's that's where they're at. And so why not try to take advantage of that and see if they would value a quote unquote, like win now player alongside Dame who, you know, is all-star quality. And that, that might be enough for number three pick and then throw some other stuff in there. So. What I'll, what I'll say there. And I find that interesting. And, and, and this third pick gets brought up a lot during this series because it's, I mean, it's obviously a fascinating target. I would say that, if I'm Portland, I prefer DeRozan to a lot of the other names that have been floated out there. I prefer him to a McCall Bridges or a um, OG and Anobi, even though I think those guys are going to affect like winning a championship more. I think specifically when building around Dame, you need a secondary shot creator of some sort. You need someone else who can take some of the offensive burden off of him. And then you can kind of figure out some of the other stuff. And I think DeRozan could be that guy. Levine I'd be less interested in because at the very least, DeRozan is like, he can guard fours. Levine, when you think of him as like a backcourt mate, it's kind of tough. And we saw that with CJ and Dame. Like, there's just no one to guard the point of attack. But you think you you throw DeRozan in a group with, we don't need to talk too much about the Blazers. But I, I actually like that idea. Whether it's enough, it's hard to say. I mean, you'd probably also have to throw in maybe an Alex Caruso. You'd probably have to throw in, you'd probably have to give Portland their pick back. And then maybe another Chicago first allowable draft type thing, which then you're getting into an idea of like, well, what does that tank look like if you're giving up your own future first? But I think it's probably worth it for a guy like Scoot. And Levine is like young enough that he's probably not going to just be like dead in like two, three years. He's probably going to still be a guy when Scoot is, you know, around and, and worthwhile. Stone, is there anyone for you, whether it be players or draft, that you think that the Bulls should look to target and trade? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with Michael, uh, in that I would look to rebuild, um, and I think definitely, you know, trading for picks is the clearest way to do that. And it, it, it gives you a sense of direction, right? Like right now there is no direction. And by at least making a trade like that, it gives you, you know, a, a sense of where you want to go. Um, I mean, I would definitely be talking to the thunder to see how interested they'd be in advancing their timeline with someone like Levine, who's not super old, but can help them, you know, increase their, uh, pro- probably increase their wins going into next season. Uh, another team that would be interesting to me 
would be the um, Atlanta Hawks uh, because even though you might not get like, you know, a solidified star from either of those teams, there might be a collective amount of picks and players that you can mix in. Maybe you can get like AJ Griffin, the 15th pick in the future or something for uh, Levine or something like along those lines. Uh, all good assets. None of them are maybe necessarily like franchise changers, uh, but it starts giving you a sense of direction with, you know, still quality assets that you could keep or or eventually package together and move on again to to get someone that is more star quality. So I think just making moves to teams that maybe want to advance their timelines a bit rather than stay in this sort of sort middle ground. Um, those are the sort of teams I'd be looking at calling. Yeah, so we talked about this with the Nets yesterday with uh, with uh, the fellow Switch Theory uh, contributor, Matt Powers. Uh, we talked about how there is a a real when, – when you're a team like, like the Bulls or where the Nets are where you're not championship contenders, but you're also out future first, it kind of makes sense to trade for young players rather than like just a haul of picks sometimes because if you're going to tank, it's, it's hard – to do that because you're not going to get your own pick in a lot of senses. Now the bulls pick is top 10 protected to the Spurs top eight eventually. Um, so like, it's like, you could still tank and figure it out. I don't know exactly where that becomes unprotected or whether it becomes seconds, but I, I still like the idea of trading for some young players. You mentioned Adrian Griffin jr. With the thunder, you know, you're probably not going to get like a giddy for a Levine, but you could probably get like a Arkansas Jalen Williams or, you know, any of their, you know, I don't know if you want JRE, but like a number of kind of their young players. I think the Grizzlies are a potential great target for um, for DeMar DeRozan. I think they're a team that could really also use secondary shot creation at the wing specifically. Again, like I, I just feel Levine is a harder fit for a lot of teams because he makes a lot more money than DeRozan and he's a two rather than like a three, four like DeRozan is. You think of DeRozan stepping in and you know, the defense is obviously going to be an issue. The shooting for him might be an issue, though DeRozan has gotten more comfortable at times just like taking open spot ups and and being that type of guy. Um, he'll run in transition too. He can do that type of stuff. And I think he'd be a great fit. Um, his ability to uh, just like, you know, give a team that tertiary shot creation, I think is really important. And the Grizzlies could really use that. I would center that around like a, Zaire Williams, you know, Xavier Tillman type package, Jake LaRavia, if he's in there, you know, whoever, along with, um, I can't remember exactly what picks the Grizzlies have, but the Grizzlies have, I think, 25, something like that uh, in in the first round, and then maybe a future first, something like that. Like, those are the teams I kind of target, teams where they're like, good, not great, and they need a, they need a, either a consolidation trade of some sort, or to just a secondary shot creator take a step up. Um, Michael, if you're out of trade ideas, that's fine. But as we can kind of move on to the draft. If they were to trade into somewhere in the first round, obviously at three, it's it's you know your pick of of whoever falls or, or you want at between Ahmed Scoot and Brandon Miller. But if they were to trade like in the mid first round or even back end of the first round, who are some guys you'd be targeting? So if they were to trade in there, which by the way, I'm not super optimistic about it really like it would be an opportunity to get someone who can either shoot or provide, you know, more size and versatility or both ideally. So 
in that range, someone like a Colby Jones out of Xavier is someone that I really like. You know, just someone who's kind of good at everything, and I think he's going to shoot as well. So, and, and you know, especially because he's an upperclassman, usually those guys fall into that range and often outperform some of those one and dones that uh, disappoint in the lottery. So, I'd love to get someone like him. Uh, I have no idea where Brandon Pajemski is going to end up, but you know, he would be awesome. I mean, the athletic tools are a concern, but he's just an amazing basketball player. I love the shot, love his touch and the mid range. I think he's a great passer and, you know, he would just be a great cog in the machine and someone that, you know, the bulls are just sorely lacking. Uh, and then you know, even someone like, you know, I don't know how far like a jet Howard would fall, but I mean, I'm not a huge jet Howard guy, but at that point, six, eight can shoot, showed some passing chops, you know, Maybe his handle comes along and he's somewhat of a creator. It's like, you know, why not make that bet? You know, the, the Bulls are in a position because they're in such a weird spot and just kind of in the middle. I think that we could afford to just make a bet like that where, you know, it's like this guy has like a couple of skills. He's young, but you know, if, you know, if the swing skills hit, then you know, you've really got a player on your hands there. Or if they want to play it safe with someone like a Colby Jones or Brandon Pajemski, I'd be very okay with that too. You know, chances are you're getting a good basketball player in that range if they're doing it correctly and not drafting, you know, Dale and Terry like they did last year. So um I think I think there's a lot of guys to target in that range in this draft. And I mean, I would love it if the Bulls could somehow get into that range. I doubt that'll happen though, considering I don't I don't think Karnasovas has done a draft day trade in his tenure i could be wrong about that i don't I think, think he, so either from what yeah I so he he tends to just stay where he is and see how the board falls and that's that so i'm i'm not super optimistic that anything like that is going to happen in this draft maybe the second round but uh i would love that i think there's a lot of good guys to target in there there's probably some people that i'm missing as well even like like a, a Maxwell Lewis would be awesome. He's someone I really like, although, uh, you know, the Bulls track record of player development, may, maybe not the greatest idea, but just objectively speaking by my board, I think, I think that'd be a great bet to make in that area. So like there, there's a ton of guys. Uh, the, I think this draft is very deep with possible like high quality role players and starters that, and, and so there's going to be some people that slip through the cracks and, in the lottery and you know, so, someone's going to get some value in the late first. So that, that would be exciting if that happened. Yeah, absolutely. I do think like the bulls track record of player development does like affect who I'd want here. I'm, I I'm less looking for like any of those types of project players just because they've proven willing to take those guys. I mean, obviously like the ultimate example was Patrick Williams at four and it just doesn't it just doesn't seem to work out for them for whatever reason. So I I I'm definitely looking for more like concrete players and just for like like there are like a couple mechanics that the Bulls could use to trade here. Obviously, we talked about trading um one of the two stars, but I also think like Alex Caruso is probably going to be very sought after. I could really see the Lakers dangling that. I think they're at 17, dangling that 17th pick, just trying to get Alex Caruso back. Um and 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not the greatest like cap guy, but I don't know how close they are to the tax, but the bulls are trying to like shed money. And if they do want to maybe take a step back, like I could see an Alex Crusoe trade, you know, you could see a, some type of like Lonzo ball salary dump that, that will then, you know, open up an asset to get a, a, you know, mid first or early second to like, you see second round picks traded for nothing all the time. So like if someone they really like, like a Colby Jones, if he fell to 40, if, if, you know, uh, if Ryan Storff was willing to pay, they could just buy a second round pick and then draft him. So Stone, is there anyone who stands out to you as, as guys you'd be interested in here? Yeah. I mean, I think you guys brought up good points. Like, like um, Matt was saying yesterday with the Nets, like you, you almost, if you're trying to start a rebuild, you almost kind of want to just take a couple of those big squeeings. But when you're the Bulls, it's like, uh, with their player development track record, you kind of don't. Um, so taking you know more of the safer bets or guys you feel more confident in hitting those those median thresholds, I think is is probably the better play. Um, whereas for most teams, you know, I'd it's, to jumpstart a rebuild, be looking at guys like maybe a Keontae George, who I'm not even that high on, uh, but it at least brings that sort of you know possible star factor. Um, I think with the Bulls, uh, you guys have named like a lot of good ones. The only other guy that really stands out to me would be uh, like Derek Whitehead, uh, if he were to fall as far into like the you know mid to late first. Uh, I think that he provides uh, somewhat assurance as just being a shooter. But I think uh, if things were to go correctly, you know he'd obviously provide a lot more ancillary skills as a playmaker. Um, and I, I don't really trust the Bulls to do that, but at the very least, I feel somewhat confident that whatever team he goes to, he's going to excel uh, as a shooter. So um, that would be sort of the only name I think that wasn't brought up, but for the most part, I agree with the rest. Yeah, I mean, there's always, like, if we're talking about second round, too, like, I mean, a Chris Murray would be great here, I think. Just just getting, like you mentioned, a guy, who a wing who can really shoot and hit shots and, you know, defend a little bit. I, I wouldn't love like a city Sissoko here. I think that's too much of a upside bet for this team, but maybe like a Julian Strother could fill a role here. Um, but let's talk about, you know, this team having no picks. I do like to talk about some UDFAs at times. And Michael, I know you do a lot of draft work. So is there anyone who stands out for you as like an undrafted free agent who you'd really hope the Bulls go after? Yeah, so this is, like as a Bulls fan, this is kind of what I've done the most work on for them specifically. And the the guy that really jumps out as someone who might go undrafted is Jalen Slauson from Furman. He's someone that I've liked since his junior year at Furman, and I've just been waiting for him to declare. I, I think he's awesome. He just pretty much checks every single box, like over 60% from two, improved his three-point percentage to like almost 40, I think. I think so. He's absolutely going to shoot. And then he's just such a smart player on both ends makes quick decisions and they're almost always the right one I feel like and then on defense he just wins with his brain and just yeah he's an awesome player so uh he would be great and I think even though he's going to be almost 24 when the draft happens and might actually turn 24 when the season starts I think he's an NBA player right now I think he jumps in and can immediately contribute. So even if he goes undrafted, I think that he's he's someone to prioritize and you know, maybe look to have contribute immediately. 
Someone that really impressed me at the combine, who then, I then re-examined, was Ben Shepard from Belmont. He he is just another one of those guys who is a quick decision maker, really smart, really comfortable shooting off the catch and off movement. And I think he's a decent enough defender where I don't think he's going to detract on, on that end in any way. So he would be great. And then, yeah, one other guy is Kobe Brown uh, from Missouri. And the only thing that really worries me about him is, like, is the shot sustainable? Because he shot, I think, 20% from three in his junior year and then improved that percentage to, like, 45 in his senior year. And oftentimes those one-year shooting leaps, especially later in someone's college career, that, that that can be a little fuzzy in terms of projecting that and you know whether whether that leap is actually real. So I, I'm a little worried about that, but if that shot is real, if it's sustainable, then everything else is great. Uh, you know, great decision maker, he rebounds well, he's a versatile defender, has NBA level strength immediately. And there are some athletic issues, I think, especially just with how fluid he is, but in undrafted free agency, you know, we're we're talking about gambles, and not everyone from that group of three is going to hit. But I think those are guys that I would look at, and I I bet one of them is going to contribute or at least get a chance to. So I, I'd be happy with any of those guys. Yeah, those are all great names. Slauson is someone I bring up just about in every single one of these. He's kind of becoming my Eve Bonds whenever we're talking about UFAs. Every team could use Jalen Slauson. Um, if he hits, he's a very, very valuable play. Jalen Slauson is one of those guys who could go undrafted. And if things like if he hits, if he hits his like 75th to 80th percentile outcome, he's a starter, in my opinion. And that's just something that's uber valuable to get as a UDFA. Stone, who stands out to you as a potential UDFA here? Um, my my version of the Jalen Slauson, the forward I bring up for every undrafted guy would be Coleman Hawkins. Um I'm pretty in on just the passing ability for his size, the touch I really feel like is projectable um, as being, you know, at least a spot up shooter. I think he just uh, really works hard on defense. Like I don't think he's going to walk down a lot of guys, but I don't think he's going to be a liability either. Uh, I just, I I really enjoy him as just sort of that do it all uh, bigger wing type guy. And the other guy that I haven't mentioned as in any of these episodes as an undrafted guy, but I feel like doesn't require, you know, much needed development or anything, but can maybe contribute to the bulls would be Isaiah Wong. Um, I'm not even the huge, like a huge Wong guy, like our, our good friend Mavs draft. But um, I do think that in this role specifically for the bulls, like he's a, he's a ready to contribute score. Like you kind of know what you're getting from him. Um, and if you are to move on from, you know, some of your bigger names, uh, you're probably going to need more scoring off the bench. So just sort of within that mindset, um, I think he makes some bit of sense. Yeah. So just, a, I only have two names, um, I want to bring up one is Muhammad Gay. I feel like I bring him up a ton, but I think he's actually similar to Colton Hawkins and what Stone likes about Hawkins, just a little less proven, but a little younger. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know, I just think like, this team just take bets on on forwards and bigs who have some versatility because I think something this team really lacks is versatility. There's just no options. 
you have to play one way with this team. And if that way isn't working, they have nothing to pivot to. And while no undrafted free agent is going to save that, like in their first couple of years, like just having the idea of eventually having options, I think is worth uh, taking a swing on. And then I'll also point to um, if he goes undrafted, like, I don't know, it, it's definitely possible that this guy goes undrafted, even if, if not likely, and I don't. I think I'd like to see Dylan Mitchell here. This is one of those teams that has had success with having, like a an athletic kind of defense first forward um, who can just play in the dunker spot uh, because of Vuce's shooting and and short roll playmaking. And Mitchell can do that. Uh, Javante Green was someone who I thought was really good who did some of that stuff, and, and then he got hurt. Um, you know, Derek Jones is. Derek Jones is just too skinny. Like that's his issue. And and Dylan Mitchell at least has a little more heft. And I don't know. Like I, I'm not the biggest Mitchell guy, but if there's a place I think he can succeed, it would be, it would probably be here. Um, Mike, let's talk about just in general for the offseason. As we kind of wrap this up, we always like to ask all our guests, best case, worst case. Start with the worst. What's your worst case scenario for the Bulls this offseason? Worst case scenario is inactivity. You know, the past three windows that the Bulls have had to improve the roster, they have done essentially nothing. And, you know, so the worst case scenario is just more of the same. And this, you know, constant parroting of continuity and the belief in the roster, despite the fact that it's inadequate and it's aging. You know, if if we have another offseason that's the equivalent of, you know, last offseason where we signed Andre Drummond and the corpse of Goran Dragic, you know, and that's it like that, that's going to be an issue. So that that's absolutely the worst case scenario, because it just demonstrates a lack of awareness for where the Bulls are at as a team. And then just the lack of a plan. You know, the, the mystique around Karnasovas is completely worn off, as Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic said. So, you know, it, it's time it's time to see what he was hired for, time to see what the vision is. So worst case scenario would be not getting any sort of glimpse into that. Yeah, absolutely. I think Karnasovas' whole thing before he was hired by the Bulls was just that he's like this team-building wizard. Like, he has just a elite sense for like um you know building teams in ways that people don't expect that was his kind of whole thing and it just hasn't really clicked uh i i, I don't know it's this i'm fascinated to see this team's offseason mike let's end it on a positive note what's like the best thing the bulls could do this offseason well kind of like i alluded to earlier i don't know how realistic it is but the best thing that we could do is just to have the humility and the awareness to say okay, clearly this didn't work. This roster we put together had way too much room for error. You know, Lonzo got injured. Everything fell apart. This is not going to work. Let's not prolong the inevitable. Let's just blow it all up. And then whatever they do from there, whether it's getting the third pick or, you know, getting the 12th pick from the Thunder, like Stone alluded to, whatever it may be, I honestly wouldn't really care. Just to see that awareness from the Bulls organization would make me really happy. Uh, you know, I, I can't say I'm too optimistic that that's going to happen, but you never know. I, I don't think I don't think Karnasovas is a complete idiot. I think that he is aware that this season wasn't good enough. What he does with that, we'll have to see. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I think that just, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, on this podcast, we have two of the uh, most downer fans imaginable with Coop and Stone. Just like I'm constantly just berated with how horrible it is true for their teams. And I just want to be like, at least you're not the Bulls. Because, I mean, Michael, I, I admire I admire or the your, Wizards or, or the Wizards. I admire your uh your strength because I would, I just, it's, I, I've been a Mariners fan my whole life. So I have some idea of what it's like to just watch a team wallow in misery and mediocrity. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Michael, we thank you so much for, for your time here and, and everything you brought to the pod. I think there's this, this is a fascinating conversation and we brought up a lot of interesting draft names and trades. And I, I loved your perspective on this team as, as a fan, because as an outsider, all I can think is, it's kind of funny to watch them fail in, in such a kind of sad way. So thank you. Thank you so much for helping us out. Let the people know where they can find you and all your great work. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, as far as where you can find me, I'm at mnef3710 on Twitter. Uh, so if that's where that's where I post a lot of my thoughts on the draft and just basketball in general. And then I just recently started working with uh, Swish Theory. So, you know, huge shout out to Matt Powers and Chip Jones and the whole team over there for welcoming me on board. You know, it, it's been awesome to work with them for the last month. And I've got a couple of, of big articles, you know, including my my giant, you know, dissertation big board that I write every year uh coming soon so you know be on the lookout for that and that that's about it for me yeah yeah no i love all michael's work i think the big board he puts out is probably the best done of of anyone on draft twitter in my opinion and i'm someone who puts out a super lazy board and just uh kind of just has players names and and i really i really love what you do mike And, and you're such a great fan of Switch Theory th- too, because um, that's just a group of really smart guys. Again, I cannot recommend Switch Theory enough. Um, I think it's a great place for draft coverage. Mike, you've been excellent. Uh, all the, all the links to your stuff will be down below. For Stone Out Report underscore Report, I'm at Bryce Hendrick fourteen. Make sure to give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Check out the website if you want breakdowns of players and and at each team. We do one of these pods on. This has been the Upside Swings to be a draft podcast. We hope we're ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.